You are listening to the Calm Down Podcast, the podcast where candid, thought-provoking, and rare conversations happen while amplifying people's stories around the world. Here, we take it one day at a time and also rant on simple cuts people don't observe or are just oblivious to. I am your host, Viola Ekene. I am an on-air personality, podcaster, YouTuber, and content creator. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is so thoughtful of you to click the play button to listen to what this episode is all about. So first and foremost, I am so excited to announce to you that this podcast and I, <laughs> we, are, uh, we are featured in the latest issue of Podcasters of Niger Magazine. That is their match issue. And this means so much to me because when I said this podcast, how clueless I was, how I've learned so much along the journey, then you came along, you said listening, you loved this podcast and you always click to listen to new episodes. So when I saw the, you know, the magazine issue, I, I felt so nostalgic. I felt really, really grateful for how far I've come in this journey and also how you've also been along with me in this journey. So I really wanted to say thank you so much. Like you mean so much to me and I don't take that for granted. I'm going to leave a link to that issue of that magazine in the description of this episode. So do make sure to check it out download it read it it is going to bless you i was featured alongside two amazing people who are also one is a podcaster and one is an influencer so like everything in that magazine issue for march is they're just literally filled with germs and this is like a very huge birthday gift because i am a match baby and this just came right on time i am super grateful for that so the link to download it will be in the description of this episode so straight away to what this um episode is all about so I was thinking about financial literacy, especially for our community. You know, coupled with the whole COVID-19, a lot of people went out of business. And this pandemic really opened our eyes to the fact that saving is so important and not just saving, investing wisely. So I wanted someone, not just anybody, but someone that is an expert on that particular topic to come on here, share their journey with us. Because, you know, this podcast is all about amplifying stories. So I wanted a person to come in here, share their story with us and also give us practical tips on how to save no matter how much you earn because there was this um, argument I was seeing on Twitter one time someone tweeted and said oh no matter how much you earn you should save and some people were saying like oh there's an amount that you'll be earning you won't even be able to save because you're trying to meet up to your needs so in this episode our amazing guest China Zom Chidolue she's an amazing person I don't want to give you a bio of her right now because there is um a part where I told her to tell us about herself so she did an amazing job on that please do me a favor and listen to the end of this episode it is so resourceful i was literally thinking about you when I was reaching out to Chinazon because I want us to be all financially buoyant and also fi very, very financially stable. So up next, what you'll be hearing is my conversation with Chinazon and I'll be right back after that to chat some more with you before we call it a wrap. Okay, so can you tell us about yourself? The reason I like to ask people to do this is um, I wouldn't want to read their bio or something. I would love you to tell us about yourself, yourself, 
because you do a better job at that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you already know my name. My name is Chinazong. I, on the career front, I am a chartered accountant. I'm a chartered financial analyst, level three candidate. You know, my background spans, spans for audit. So I worked at PwC as an auditor. PwC is PricewaterhouseCoopers in Toronto, Canada. Then I transitioned to wealth management. So I worked at Canada's largest bank, the Royal Bank of Canada, as an associate in a wealth management group where I helped manage over almost $800 million in assets for high net worth individuals and institutions. And then I recently moved back to Nigeria after living in Canada for 10 years. So I joined Shecluded, which is a digital um, bank for women based in Lagos, Nigeria. And um, I am the director of growth and strategy there. And I also lead the wealth advisory practice. So that's me on the career front. And on the family front, I'm engaged to be married soon. And I'm also one of seven kids to my parents <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah oh wow congratulations like i am so impressed you're doing amazing well done really well done um you said you moved back to nigeria after 10 years what mm-hmm. what would you say influenced that decision to move back to start to continue your brand here um for me I mean, especially now, I, I think when I moved back, a lot of people were asking, like, why are you moving back to Nigeria? And most people are trying to leave. Most people are trying to go to Canada. Meanwhile, you're moving back. So I think um, it was, I think it was just because from during COVID, during, you know, all that happened, I realized that the most important thing to me was not just, you know, being in this safe environment, safe being Canada, um, but being close to family and loved ones. My parents live in, um, in, in Nigeria and my parent, my family my, my whole family lives in Nigeria so I just felt like why am I being you know spending all my time being far away from them I'd rather just be close to them and 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 the reason why it was so important at that time was because I know so many people that were affected by COVID and many people that lost their lives and you know, couldn't even see their loved ones and I was like um, I think it just facilitated my move I always wanted to move back to Nigeria I, I just didn't know when it would be so at that point it just felt like okay um, you know let me be close to family especially at this point and and because there was a lockdown i was like well you know what like you can do anything from anywhere so um i didn't feel like i was restricted when i moved back oh okay okay so how did you like get started in your career in wealth management how did you begin your investing journey that you now share with thousands of your community on on and off social media um, okay, so when I was in accounting, like I mentioned earlier, I was in audit um, at PricewaterhouseCoopers. That's what I started my career um, in the accounting field. And and I kind of knew that accounting was, I felt I, I went into accounting because of stability, because I felt like, okay, well, you know, um, accounting is kind of a good skill to have. And also accounting is, I spoke to different people right before I joined. I was thinking, should I go into accounting or should I go into finance? And one person I met who had both CPA, CPA designation and if you don't know what a CPA is, it's just a professional accountant designation and it's the accountant designation, but the CFA is more like the finance designation. I met someone that had both and he said, you know what, I see more CFA resumes on my desk than CPA resumes on my desk. And what that meant was um, there are more finance people looking for jobs. And he also told me that accountants can do what finance finance people can do, but finance people can't do what accountants can do necessarily. So I just felt like it would be a good start for me to, you know, to start my career in accounting and then later on transition to finance which is exactly what I did so I started my career in accounting I was accounted for three years and just before I got my um, designation and 
I, I just found it to be quite, I don't want to say boring because I mean, and that's the cliche, um, but I found it to be quite boring. I, I didn't really care so much about the historical information of these companies. I cared more about okay, what makes this company great? What makes this company some a company that they, people can invest in? What makes this company interesting? Why should people like, so those are the kind of things that I cared about. So when I went to accounting meetings, I would be thinking about, okay, uh, what, anytime I did an audit, I'll be looking at the MDNA, which is the management discussion and, and um, analysis like document and essentially it's just like a letter from the management explaining um explaining what is going to happen in the company in the next few years versus but really what an auditor should be focusing on is actually your you know the historical financial statements but i was always interested in the forward looking stuff so kind of I already kind of had that passion for financial literacy. So I thought, okay, why don't I just combine my passion for financial literacy and my interest in, you know, capital markets and, you know, money. I just love talking about wealth and money and then see where that will take me. And then I discovered the career in wealth management. And it, it kind of, I was kind of lucky because I kind of knew someone that knew someone that had a job, like a wealth management practice and just kind of tapped me on my shoulder and asked me if I would kind of like to be part of, you know, of the team and I and I took the opportunity so that's that's how I got there <laughs> wow that, that must have been a journey for you you know it's that thing in life where you never planned you would be somewhere right mm-hmm. and then you suddenly mm-hmm. be interested in it and you look back and you're like oh wow so I'm really here and you wonder how you got there and yeah it's it's just so beautiful so what was that point that you knew you really wanted to help people live a financially free life was there a spectacular event that happened or something that, that just hit you and you were like, oh, I think I should channel more of my expertise in helping people get out of financial problems or debt and, you know, educating people financially. Um, okay, so when I first, gra- so I went to um, undergrad in Canada, I went to Carleton University in Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario, in Canada. And when I first graduated from in 2015, I started asking people around me, like my older friends, like maybe they were in their 30s or, you know, late late 20s. I was saying, okay, so um, do you invest? Um, you know, how did you go about investing? Investing. Um, do you know anything about mutual funds? I, I just used to read these personal finance like books, and you know when you graduate, you're just like you're ready to take on the world. Mm-hmm. You know you want to be wealthy, want to be a millionaire by thirty. Um, mm-hmm. So I just started asking people in their thirties, in your late twenties, okay, how do they invest? And many of them just like they either didn't care or they're like, why you're so weird? Like why are you asking me? Or just they just didn't really know. They were like, well, I kind of just they, they didn't really know what they were doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I just realized that people were generally apathetic towards their wealth young people were just generally just had this general apathy towards their wealth and I was like okay you know what why don't I start a blog that would um you know kind of first of all hold me accountable so that I actually and okay and then also I went into a bank um in Canada in, in Toronto and then I asked okay well I had I think I had saved like a thousand five hundred dollars right and then I think my parents also gave me a few hundred dollars uh, you know as a graduation present as well and I said you know what I want to start investing and I think the um, um, when I went to the bank to speak to a financial advisor, um, he said, okay, well, you, you don't have enough money to start investing. You don't have enough money. So maybe you come back when you have more money. Like, no, I'm not going to say no to the bank, but <laughs> and, and I found that to be, and I knew that was not true because I've been reading all these blogs and, and I knew that you could start with as little as 50 bucks. But like, maybe he just doesn't want to be bothered, right? Because I'm such a small client. The commission on this is probably going to be so low. Like, why, why am I going to disrupt this Thursday after? So I just felt like, okay, you know what? If this is what these 
people, you know, tell young people, no wonder people aren't investing, mm-hmm. right? So I decided mm-hmm. to create a blog and um, start documenting my journey because at that point I had no, um, I didn't really have, have a lot of savings and I used to be kind of like a spenders. I used to spend a lot on random stuff, like accessory things. I just, I just didn't know better. I hadn't built that savings culture. Um, and then I just, you know, I just started a blog and the blog is called Investment Conversations, investmentconversations.com. And I used to run that blog. I had to shut it down when I started working in wealth management because of the conflict of interest. But um, but that's, I think, starting that blog and just writing, I'll write something as simple as, you know, how you can get started with investing right now or how I made my first $500 in investing or how I, you know, improved my credit score and all these other things. And then people from all around the world email me and say, hey, like, you know, that message, that that post you you, you made like on February, blah, 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 um, really changed my life. Like I literally started saving and I literally just bought my laptop, my first laptop, because, you know, you inspired me to start saving. I just bought my first stock and my stock just paid me my first dividend. And this is so exciting and I'm obsessed with saving. Thank you so much. And I think that's, I, I didn't really think too much when I was starting the blog, but when I started hearing those things from people, that feedback it really made me think, okay, you know what? This could be like a lifelong career. Like I could definitely mm-hmm. do this. And then um, because I'm seeing immediate impact. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what led me along this path. That's so beautiful. Um, I'd love to ask, right? You know, you mentioned that um, when you went to the bank, right? To do that investment with the money you had and the financial advisor that you went to give you that comment, you thought to yourself, oh, so maybe this is one of the reasons why people, young people aren't so keen on investing because, oh, maybe they're going to a bank like you did and they are told this kind of thing. But I feel like also sometimes some people feel they don't earn enough that they can save. Do you understand? Because I've had these conversations with people where they're like, oh, you should stop telling people to start saving and saving. The thing is that you have to and a particular amount before you start saving because, you know, the economy and all of that. So what like practical, realistic advice would you give someone listening right now that sincerely wants financial freedom but doesn't end enough, put an unquote, now to get there? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I totally understand. There are some people, I mean, there are different classes of people, especially in Nigeria, right? You have people that are literally living in poverty. Um, now, people that are living in poverty, their, their real job is surviving, not investing. I'm, I'm not referring to those people I'm referring to people who have privilege like us, right? So, you know, there's a place for people like that as well, like that going through poverty. But their first priority is just like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Investing and self-actualization is not the first thing they're thinking about. They're thinking about surviving. They're thinking about food, clothing, shelter. Yeah. But if yeah. you are, you know, middle class, you know, even lower, if you're in the middle class in Nigeria, um, yeah, it's quite possible that it's quite possible that you're not investing, that you can't um, save enough money um, because you, you can't save enough money because you don't earn enough, right? It's, it's quite possible. Yeah. But what I would say to that kind of person, first of all, is what if they increased your taxes, right? If, for mm-hmm. example, your payee tax that came out from your payroll was increased, mm-hmm. you'll probably, you probably find a way to cope with it, right? Just, you know, see investing or saving as like that tax, you know, that bill that has to come off of yeah. your paycheck. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I would say, like to someone like that that feels like they don't make enough money or something. Because if, you're, if your tax is actually increased and you have to pay, you know, pay that off, you'll find a way to live. If your rent increased by 10000 you'll find a way. So mm-hmm. why don't you just treat saving and investing just like another bill? 
bill. I think mm. that would be the first thing. The second thing is finding a way to do it, even if it's small, starting small but being consistent. Platforms that give you the opportunity to save for as little as ten dollars, ten dollars, you know, a month, you know, which is the equivalent of uh, I don't know five thousand naira, and, and many many people can afford to save five thousand naira. Um, and mm. for many people, investing and saving shouldn't be, you know, when you're building your wealth, you have two levers you can pull. You have the income lever or the expenses lever, right? You control your income or your expenses. So many people try to open, like, I think people try to focus on the savings part because they feel like they have more control over mm-hmm. the savings because they feel like, okay, I'm making one million a month or I'm making 500,000 naira a month. Um, my expenses right now are 300,000. How about if I increase that 300, decrease the 300,000 expense to 200,000 and have an extra 100,000 naira to save or invest? Yeah, that's good. But then you get to a point where you, you're literally, you can't save and you can't, you can't live better than you already are living. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't spend less money. And what I say, like, is you really have to focus on income. Sometimes it's better to just focus all your time, your energy, your efforts into, you, you know, in yourself, investing in yourself. That's the best investment. Um, and building a revenue stream or your income so that where you're making more money, right? So for example, if you're, you know, you just graduated from university, maybe you're making like, you know, 80,000 naira a month. You, you, can, you can barely get by with that, right? So instead of you saving and investing this money, you know, in the stock market, maybe it's actually better for you to save or invest that money in yourself. Take courses that would allow you to increase your earning potential. Um, network with people so that you can better position yourself to get, you know, better job. You know, pay mm-hmm. someone to help you review your CV. Take courses online, you know, do basic, mm-hmm. you know, those type of things. Those are the kind of things you should be focusing on to increase your income earning potential. Okay, okay. So basically what you're trying to say is that no matter what you earn, you can actually save, right? Um, for people that earn at a particular amount where you give the instance of the tax, because if the tax deduction can actually be done from what you earn per month, that means that you can find a way around it. That means that you can save for that bracket of people that, you know, can't really invest considering how much they earn per month, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I want to ask something. What is your definition of poverty? Because I've, I've realized over time that it means so many things to different people. So in, in the context, you know, and in your area of expertise, right, what is your definition of poverty? Um, I'm not like a developmental expert, but what, I mean, poverty just means, you know, not having enough, you know, material possessions or income to take care of your basic needs. Um, I okay. think the developmental um definition of someone living in poverty someone that spends less than you know a dollar or two dollars a day or makes less than a dollar or two dollars a day or something thing like that um and that's you know that's a poor person so that's my understanding of poverty but obviously um in the in the world we live in now you don't it's not just about you know money it's also about you know there's something that you, you call time poverty where really you can have all the money in the world but because your life is moving so fast you don't even have time to spend with your kids you you don't have time mm-hmm. to develop your health you don't have time to sleep so there's also time poverty and different types of poverty but it's just being in the state of perpetual lack i think that's mm-hmm. what, that's what i would call poverty okay are there classes or like digital products you offer or sell that someone listening right now can get to help them you know get started in their journey to living a more financially fulfilling life yeah so when i joined chikuzet my first thing was that i had to do was create a wealth advice 
supervisory service. So right now we work one-on-one with women to become more intentional, to help them become more intentional about their finances. Now in Nigeria, especially in this um, environment, do you find that um, because of the conditioning many women receive or girls receive while they're growing up, um, we don't really, building wealth is not at the fore, like it's not something we think about. So you meet a man that makes 500,000 naira every month and you meet a woman that makes 500,000 naira every month. And just for the record, that's about 1,200 USD for people that are not Nigerian that are listening. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of maybe like 10 years of working, um, you would see though five years maybe, you see that maybe the guy has bought land, he's bought cars, he's bought, you know, different things. Whereas the girl maybe might not have all that much to show for her, her time in the workforce. And, and the reason why is because it just doesn't occur to us, right? Because we don't have that, we, we are conditioned. But like, for example, I know you've heard, you know, your parents say, oh, is that what you're going to do in your husband's house? We never thought about, you know, your house. You know, it's always like, you know, your husband is always the man that always makes those investments and builds wealth, not the girl. So because of that, we, you know, that conditioning follows us to when we're women and we never ever think about it. So even though we're making a lot of money, we're not actively investing. We're not being intentional. So you see in a, in a situation, in a relationship where even sometimes when the woman makes more money, most of the time that money is actually spent on you know, non-intangible things like, you know, food that, you know, food for the family, you know, nicer clothes, shoes for the kids, things like that. But if anything happens in a relationship, you know, the man owns the house, the man owns the cars, the man owns all these things. Whereas the woman might actually be spending more money but on intangible things. That- yeah, yeah, I get you. Okay, so what would you be doing? Like, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, your current job, what would um, you be doing? I think, uh, I, uh, what would I like, be doing? I think I'll be working in, like, the IFC or the International Finance Corporation, which is the subsidiary of the World Bank. I think I'll be doing impact investing, you know, which is essentially you're a venture capitalist for um, impact projects all across, uh, like, Africa. So I'll either be working on, like, in a, what they call DFIs, so developed suits. I'll essentially be, be an investment officer helping to make investment decisions for um, private projects across Africa. I think that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, but I want to give you an example, right? Now, for there's a program called mm-hmm. National Youth Service Corps. I'm doing that right now. NYSC, <laughs> every exactly and what you know the the, the allowance is 33,000 naira, which is around 87 dollars now you also hear people say oh at our own time we are being paid 19,800 naira um you're supposed to be saving like right and considering the economy and with everything going on do you think like how would someone you know that is the only thing they earn fresh out of the university they don't have a job yet that is the only thing that they're you know eating with how that person substantially save? Is there any rule to saving effectively no matter how much you earn? I mean, there's some kind of heuristic, like some uh, kind of like um, rule of thumb, right, for saving and investing. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, we have this, what they call the, in personal finance world, they have what they call 50-30-20 rule. So 50% of your, any income you get should be saved, should be put towards your needs. So that's your housing, food, things like that. 30% should be towards your wants. So your clothes, your, you know, entertainment, mm-hmm. massages, things like that. And then 20% should be towards saving and investing and growing your wealth. So ideally, 20% of that should be going to savings and investing. Now, if you make that to 3,000 naira, mm-hmm. you can't really do anything. Like, that's like almost less than 7,000 naira, right? Which, that's something. But the reality is that if someone is making that 3,000 naira a month, that's, that's, that's hardly enough for transportation, right? Um, especially in Lagos. Mm-hmm. So, say, if I were, I 
mean, I'm doing my NYSC right now, by the way. But if I were in that situation where that was my only source of income and, you know, I had to feed myself and I didn't have anybody to, you know, to, and I couldn't live with my parents, my parents couldn't support me, I would 100% just kind of find a way to um, invest in myself. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so focused. I know it sounds very, um, very um, weird to some people, but I would really try to focus on investing in myself. So what that would mean practically would be, is the 33,000 if maybe my expenses are you know 30,000 there and have an extra 3,000 there to spare every single month I, I might not necessarily save that money I, I might find use that money to maybe spend on transportation to go and meet people in offices I want to work in I'll set up informational interviews with let's say I wanted to be an accountant I'll set up informational interviews with all the um, top partners of accounting firms in in Lagos um, and you know pay for my transport take them out to coffee take them out to lunch that's what I'll probably do now I mean everybody's you know doing virtual calls maybe I'll spend more money on credits to be able to spend talk to a lot more people maybe I'll take, take a course maybe I'll buy a nicer t-shirt or a nicer button-down shirt just so I can look more presentable or maybe I'll try not you know I'll, I'll spend more money on a taxi rather than using an Okada or a bike so that when I arrive in a meeting I'll look more professional and when you're young when you're starting out it's, it's very important to keep investing in yourself because you're laying the foundation for your future success the amount of and, and by doing that by continuing investing in yourself first of all that's the best investment you can make second of all it would really allow you to increase your income significantly so that's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. But if you really wanted to save and invest, if you really said, okay, you know what? I would just rather save and invest because I have family to feed. I would say um, one thing you can think about is um, your risk tolerance. You can think about how long you actually want to be investing that money for. If you want to be investing that money for a very, very long time, you can afford to take on a high amount of risk because um, you're young and you're retiring probably 40 something years, right? So you can actually start looking at higher mm-hmm. risk investment like stocks. You don't have to necessarily put it in, in your savings accounts where you're earning less than 1% interest annually. You can actually start looking at investment like stocks, right? So you can, I would recommend foreign stocks like gain exposure to the US stock market. There are apps that I like told you for as little as, I think even as little as 1,000 naira now, you can actually start investing in the US <laughs> stock market. There are stock, there are um, apps like um, like Bamboo, like Chaka, like Trove. By the way, I'm not, I haven't, <laughs> I'm not sponsored by any of these. These are just some apps that are out there. Um, these are not mm-hmm. endorsements, but you can actually start getting exposure in the U.S. stock market from that. There's exchange-traded funds. There's also known as ETFs that you can purchase on those platforms. You can actually, if you really, really believe in certain companies like maybe um, Amazon or Tesla, and obviously one Amazon stock is over 3,000, probably close to 3,500 USD for one um, Amazon stock, you can actually do what they call fractional investing. So you don't have to have 3,200 or $3,500 to buy one Amazon stock, you can actually put $10 and buy a piece of the one Amazon stock. So those are some things you can do. Um, don't be afraid to take risks, um, but make sure you actually have an emergency fund first before you start investing. And the reason why an emergency fund is important mm. is because if you ever lose your job, if you ever, you know, you know, have an emergency, you know, you can't work, you can't, you know, there's another yeah. lockdown. Um, this will be able to, uh, you know, give you some stability and give you some peace of mind. Um, yeah, so that you don't have to kind of start taking on expensive debt, especially in Nigeria where debt is so expensive. But yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. So what's what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? One thing I wish I had known is, oh, you mean for my career or investing? 
investing generally one thing i generally. wish i knew about investing is that you have to be consistent for it to see results um sometimes i'll do like, maybe okay. invest this lump sum amount and i wish i had even if it's just a small amount, it's just like exercising right if you go to the gym like once mm-hmm. every two weeks or once every month and like three hour exercise and you know kind of kill it at the gym that one day in a month yeah it's nice but it really doesn't really help you at all but if you literally exercise for 15 mm-hmm. minutes every single day or 20 minutes every single day it actually is much better than doing going to the gym for three hours once a month so mm-hmm. i would say just being consistent like just setting up a system that would allow you to do what you want so that means automatically paying off your bills automating like saving automating investing and making sure you're doing it constantly no matter mm-hmm. what like i mentioned earlier seeing it as a bill and really it is a bill it's a bill for your to your future self your future self is bidding you right so if you're able to live the life you mm-hmm. want to live down the road um and that that's one thing I wish I knew earlier on. And in my in my career, one thing I wish I had knew, known and one thing I wish I had practiced is just um not being afraid. Um I think it was many in many situations I let I let fear um rob me of, of opportunities. But just being believing in myself, I think believing in yourself is probably one of the hardest things that lessons that most people would, um, would have to learn, you know, in their career. So just believing in myself mm-hmm. and not being afraid to you know to to take on to, to take rest that would be another one okay what biggest failure have you have you like experienced and what did you learn from it in your my journey biggest failure. that's a great question um i think my biggest failure not nothing comes to mind as one of my monumental failures but i think some of my failures when i think about that is probably situations where i allow, allow people to take advantage of me or maybe where i felt used and abused by people in my career so that you know because of fear and because of oh what would they say being allowing myself to be cheated of opportunities so in this in fact even in something mm-hmm. as simple as me this idea or you know and then not allowing not you know calling someone out because they took the credits instead of me when the business idea with someone and then the person goes and literally steals my idea and kind of tells me back the idea this is a real life story by the way tells me back the idea in you know paraphrase the idea back to me like a day after i told the person the idea and i'm like but me letting it slide because of you know fear like oh well let me just keep the peace so going forward i think i'll raise hell <laughs> i'll just be more bold yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what are the best resources that have really helped you along the way? Like resources you've used, maybe um, books you've read or anything at all? Um, for books, my favorite book, my favorite books, Richest Man in Babylon, that's the key, at investing and the finance classic. I honestly like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know it's very, very controversial, but I really do like that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, that, those are two really good books. And if you're starting a business, one book you should read, or if you're, even if you're an a manager. One book you should read is called The E-Myth Revisited, Revisited by Michael Gerber. The E-Myth, so that's the um, entrepreneurship myth. So E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And those are three top books. And in terms of just investing resources and tools, I think YouTube, the school of YouTube is like the best. <laughs> Literally, you can type in how can I buy my first stock or should I buy a stock or should I buy a stock? Like you can type in anything and you see someone explain mm-hmm. every single thing. 
Um, so those are some good tips. Okay. What is one myth about, you know, investing that you'd love to debunk? One general myth people love to say about it that is not true that you'd love to debunk? Um, one major myth is investing is not the same as trading. People say, oh, people come to me and say, hey, do you invest in Forex? Forex trading is, is trading, it's not investing. Um, these are mm-hmm. highly speculative events. Um, and it's not it's not the same as investing. Those are two. Like, like I was talking to somebody about it today. She's like, why? Well, do you do forex? Why don't you do forex? Like forex trading. So essentially, they they kind of speculate on if the forex um, groups would go up or down and kind of put more money and they kind of is it kind of betting, mm-hmm. right? But that's not the same as investing. Mm-hmm. When you're looking about investing, you're really looking at the fundamentals of the company you're investing in and seeing if it makes sense for you and if it makes sense at this time. Um, really, Warren Buffett always says if you're not able to kind of you know you know kind of put your money invest your money and then go to sleep for 10 years then you know you're really not investing um you should that's that's the quality of companies you should be looking at so investing is not the same as uh, as um as as trading so it's not the same as forex trading it's not the same as gambling it's not it's not even really yeah so so for anything you're investing it has to have some kind of fundamental value and um and yeah that's one thing that major myth that i would like to debunk okay um, who are three people that inspire you? Hmm, that's a really good question. I think Warren Buffett for sure. Um, actually, last mm-hmm. year, well, not last year, two years ago, 2019, I went to see Warren Buffett in Omaha, Nebraska. Because every year, mm-hmm. usually, well, apart from COVID, he has his um, annual uh, annual um, event in Omaha, Nebraska for his company. So I, I was able to experience that, which was amazing. So I actually saw Tim Cook, who is the CEO of Apple, and all these amazing, you know, Bill Gates was there as well. That was a great event for me. Um, so yeah, Warren Buffett definitely. Um, who else? I mean, I, I mean, I kind of like the Obamas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also okay. I, I forget her name, but um, Melody, yeah, Melody Hobson. Oh, um, she's okay. like a black, one of the first black women. Women. She's like she's actually now the chairman of the board of um of Starbucks. She's one of the yeah. Her name is Melody Hobson. She's the co CEO oh. of Aerial Investments, and um, she's a black woman. So yeah, I definitely love to see black women doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. It is so inspiring, so so inspiring. Okay, um, the second to the last question I have is: if you could step into my shoes, right, as the host, what is one question? question you would have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Hmm, that is such a good question. One question uh, you should have asked me, huh? That's a good, very, very good question. I actually haven't thought about that. Um, <laughs> well, I think one question is maybe um, maybe what I'm what I what I'm looking forward to. I, I mean, what is one thing I'm looking forward to? Maybe the next in this year or something like that. Um, and the reason why I say that is because um, sometimes we focus so much on our you know failures and stuff, but maybe we don't focus enough on okay, what do we want to do with all these things that we've learned and all these experiences we've had. Yeah. We've had. So yeah, maybe maybe that. <laughs> okay. So now now can you answer that? <laughs> so what are you looking forward to? <laughs> um, I, to be honest, I'm just looking forward to growing my role in excluded um you know yeah. pursuing different you know business ventures of my own continuing to invest and build my wealth for my family and also getting married that's um something i'm yeah. working i'm currently planning a wedding and studying for my cfa exam yeah. and working so it's, it's very busy but um i'm definitely looking forward to you know getting married this year yeah that is why i appreciate you giving me time for this because i know definitely it, um you have a very tight schedule <laughs> so this was very
very much appreciated. Okay, so finally, where can um, my listeners connect with you on social media? Um, some people might be more interested in being a part of your journey. Um, how do they connect with you after this, after listening to this episode? Yeah, so I mostly have Instagram. So my Instagram is chinazom, C-H-I-N-A-Z-O-M underscore C, chinazom underscore C. And I'm sure you probably link it in your notes as well. Um, mm, and yeah. then my, yeah, that's essentially how most people can find me on my Instagram. Okay. And they can send you DMs or email. Do you prefer email or DMs for further inquiries or something? You can send me a DM. And if you wanted to email me, chinazom, C-H-I-N-A-Z-O-M at secluded.com. Secluded is S-H-E-C-L-U-D-E-D.com. Okay. I'll link all of that in the description of this episode. So anybody can, um, that wants to reach out to definitely do reach out. Thank you so much. Thank you for so much for doing thank this. Thank you so much, Viola. It was a pleasure joining you. All right. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I learned so much from this conversation. It was so, so enlightening. And I was really, really encouraged by her journey. You know, the thing about stories and just hearing other people's perspectives, um, hearing their journeys is that it opens your eyes to how beautiful we humans are and resilient in terms of like going for what we really want. It is so beautiful, honestly. I didn't just get germs. I got an insight into her journey and then a glimpse into, you know, what she stands for, which is a privilege, honestly, if you ask me, because it's not something you get to do all the time, you know, to kind of like feel someone's journey, life journey, especially their career path or their personal life. So it's it's really, really amazing. Guys, the details and the links to all Chinazom's social media platforms will be in the description of this episode just in case afterwards you want to reach out to her, you want to ask her questions like she already said her DMs and her emails are open for you to ask and for you to make your inquiries so please feel free just mention that you are from the Countdown Podcast okay? Alright? Just do that okay so if you enjoyed this episode please do not forget to drop a voice message you know I love to hear from you, I love to hear your thoughts. Are there some things more that you'd love to ask Chinazom or is there an opinion that you have I would love to hear your thoughts please drop a voice message I'll leave links to do that in the description box of this episode and your voice message will be featured in a subsequent episode of this podcast it can be your opinion it can be a comment anything at all you're so much welcome because this is a safe haven for you to express yourself and share your story so if you want to share your story on this podcast I have created a form that you know will help me schedule an appropriate time for us to record your story. The link to that form is also in the description box. And do not forget to give this podcast good ratings on that app you're using to listen to me right now. Please give us five-star ratings. Um, drop a review. It will help in more discoverability and visibility of this podcast. I'd really, really appreciate that so, so much. And if you want to support this podcast for more expansion, um, for more visibility, um, getting new podcast equipment like microphones and upgrades and all of that, you can join our Patreon or you can do a one-time contribution or a monthly recurrence contribution on Shukran or Anchor. I'm going to leave the links again in the description box of this episode. Don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram at the underscore calm underscore down underscore podcast. Follow us and join the conversation on Twitter as well. I have so much planned for our social media
media platforms this year i really want to um build up our community like make it super chatty and fun and if you don't follow on these social media platforms on our social media platforms you're going to miss out on a whole lot trust me so i'm gonna see you in episode 44 it's been an amazing pleasure having you listen to this point i really do appreciate you so much have an amazing day and don't forget that you're amazing and don't forget to save invest and prepare yourself for the future i love you so much and god loves you more